0: I am Supervisor Connie Chan, Chair of the Committee, and I am joined by Member Supervisor Safayi Online, and shortly by Vice-Chair Supervisor Rafael Mendelman. Today our clerk is uh, Brent Halipa. I would like to thank um, our SFGTV for broadcasting this meeting. Mr. Clark, do you have any announcements?
1: Yes, Madam Chair, just a friendly reminder for those in attendance to please make sure to silence all cell phones and electronic devices so as not to interrupt our proceedings here in the chamber. Uh, The Board of Supervisors and its committees are convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. The board recognizes that equitable public access is essential and will be taking public comment as follows. First public comment will be taken on each item on the agenda. Those attending in person will be allowed to speak first and then uh, we will take those who are waiting on the telephone line. For those watching either channels 26, 28, 78 or 99 and sfgovtv.org, the public comment call in number is streaming across the screen. That number is 415 655 0001. Again, that's 415 655 0001. Then enter the meeting ID of 2499 1506. Then pound and pound again. When connected, you will hear meeting discussions, but you'll be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, those joining us in person should line up to speak and those on the telephone should dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you're on your telephone, please remember to turn down your TV and all listening devices you may be using. Each speaker will be allowed up to two minutes to speak unless otherwise stated. Uh, alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Budget and Finance Committee Clerk at s f g o v . o r g If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the supervisors and also included as part of the official file. You may also send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to our office in City Hall that's one. Dr. Carlton Be Good at Place Room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. And finally, Madam Chair, items acted upon today are expected to appear on the Board of Supervisors' agenda February 14th, unless otherwise stated. Madam Chair.
0: Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Um, I would like to remind uh, everyone that we, for the items that we have BLA report that t- for today's agenda, they are items 134 six and nine, the total five items, that we will have the BLA to make uh, make presentation after the departments before we ask questions. And uh, each presentation will be limited to three minutes. Mr. Clerk, please call item number one.
1: Yes, item number one is a resolution authorizing the office of contract administration to execute a second amendment to a contract with granite rock company for the purchase of petroleum emulsions sealants and concrete based by city departments increasing the contract amount by approximately 13.9 million for a total not to exceed amount of approximately 23.8 million and extending the term by two years for a total contract duration of seven years from november 1st 2019 through october 31st 2026 Members of the public are joining us remotely and wish to comment. Uh, please call 415-655-0001 with a meeting ID of 2499 1506 and press pound twice. Once connected, press star 3 to enter the speaker line. A prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand, and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, that will be your signal to begin your comments. Madam Chair.
0: Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Today we have, let me make sure that I say your name correctly, uh, Selaja. That's right. Kirill Ella, it's, who is the director of our office and contract administration. Um, I appreciate you having a presentation <laughs> on petroleum
2: and sealant and emotions and concrete. Fascinating, thank you so much. Certainly, thank you, and good morning supervisors. I uh, appreciate you uh, hearing me on this contract. Um, Chair, uh, Clerk Haliba, um, could you share the presentation, please? Great, thank you. Um, so supervisors, uh, the subject contract uh, provides city departments with petroleum, emulsion, sealants, and concrete base materials that are critical for maintaining the safety and the uh, useful life of the city's streets. This contract was awarded to Granite Rock Company through a competitive low-bid solicitation uh, that was issued in November of 2019, and it was awarded with an initial not-to-exceed value of $7.687 million. Uh, this initial NTE was based on the estimated three year usage at the time of contract award. The pricing on the contract is based on a fixed unit price by weight or volume depending on the material and the pricing may be may be adjusted annually based on the producer price index. Public Works uh, is the primary user of this contract, uh, but I would note that SFPUC and Port also utilize it. Uh, though the usage of these departments is significantly lower than uh, Public Works usage as you can see here. OCA amended the contract in June of 2022 uh, to extend the contract by two years through December 31st, 2024. This modification allowed for a price adjustment of 47.6% based on the PPI uh, index. Uh, Given the significant price increase, I do want to note that OCA uh, deliberately limited the contract extension to two years only, rather than extending it at that time for the full four additional years allowed so that OCA could determine uh, if a new solicitation would in fact secure better pricing. So the not to exceed value was increased to $9.9 million at that time to meet the city's needs uh, for the extended duration. And this amount again was based on city usage rate as of June 2022, which did not at that time take into account the future impact of the price increase. At this time, OCA has determined that it would, in fact, be best to uh, uh, postpone a new solicitation until the market has really stabilized, and thus to continue with the existing contract. Uh, We now have data uh, on expenditures since the price increase went into effect. Uh, Given the significant increase in monthly expenditures, the remaining contract balance of roughly $2 million at this time will last only another five and a half months. So to ensure the critical contract, this critical contract continues to be available to public works and other city departments for this important infrastructure work, OCA seeks to increase the NTE value by 13.9 million uh, and to extend the contract an additional two years to December 31st, 2026. Uh, So again, uh, OCA is really requesting your approval at this time uh, of the resolution to execute amendment two. To this agreement for a two-year extension and and an increase of the nte to 23.89 million and we do agree with the bla recommendation thank you,
3: thank you chair chan uh, nick menard from the budget legislative analyst office item one is a resolution approving a modification to an existing agreement uh, with Granite Rock Company, which, as stated, uh, is an asphalt and related products provider for the city. The amendment extends the agreement through by two years through October 2026, and increases the not to exceed amount to $23.9 million. We detailed the basis of that increase on page three of our report, which is based on total spending. um, And You know, I think the not to exceed amount makes sense, but I did note uh, that there was only one provider in response to this bid um, for essentially a commodity product. Um, And I went back and reviewed OCA contracts for goods that the board approved in 2022, and noted that on average, only two bidders respond to these solicitations and when the city has relied on the procurement process of other jurisdictions, there's more. In those cases, there's on average eight bidders. So I do think that there's an opportunity to improve the city's procurement processes. I know that Supervisor Madam you're uh, working on, you know, reforming t- Chapter Twelve X of the Administrative Code, um, and have a request to OCA about low-value uh, contracting processes. But I think that this is really, to me, a signal that um, there's an opportunity to take a wider scope analysis, to examine the city's strategies, to look at the administrative code provisions and how they're interpreted by um, the purchaser and the city administrator, um, and also examine the feasibility of partnering with other jurisdictions with similar social policies to increase the city's buying power and potentially increase the number um, of bids in these kind of solicitations. So we do have a recommendation here. It's not an amendment to the resolution. Uh, it's a kind of wider scope analysis that goes beyond the subject of the resolution. But I do think that that's a request that any member of the board could make and um, per- to request a report back from the purchaser and the city administrator on these issues.
0: I share Mendelman.
4: Thank you, Chair Chan. Um, I just um, thought uh, I want to thank the BLA for the report and OCA for um, uh, the presentation. I'm wondering if you want to just, if you, you don't have to, but if you have any thoughts on why we're getting so few bids for things that it seems like we ought to be getting lots of bids for.
2: Certainly. Um, I do first want to note that, um, you know, um, uh, OCA as a general practice does uh, post its solicitations publicly as we're generally required to do. This was a public solicitation. Uh, We do also as practice research um, and identify potential companies that would bid on a contract or potentially could bid on on a particular contract. Um, and we do invite them specifically, those companies specifically, to, uh, to bid on a solicitation. In this particular instance, uh, there was in fact a geographic limitation whereby the departments really needed a company that had a local presence in order to provide will call services. So in this particular instance, that may have limited um, the, uh, the bidding opportunities for, for other companies, or the opportunity for them to bid on the, on the solicitation. Um, I would note um, that I I do think um, sort of anecdotally um, that the city does uh, impose a lot of um, contracting requirements on our bidders that make it really, I think, um, challenging um, uh, for them to bid and maybe make our opportunities not as um, uh, 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 important for them given the spend that we have compared to other jurisdictions. I think that probably is something that we should really take a look at, um, investigate a little bit further.
4: I, I think that, it, that seems right and consistent with a lot of what I have heard. It does sound like if this is a situation where we needed someone local, 12X may not be the problem here, but there are a raft of other things that do make it um, challenging to do business with San Francisco. So there's lots of, lots of projects to try to address that
0: thank you vice chair Mandelman. and I I think then in that case how do you reconcile um, part of the recommendation or suggestions uh, from BLA that perhaps there could be an opportunity for us to join with other counties so that we can increase our purchasing power so to speak how would you reconcile that if there are limitations uh, specifically imposed by the city and County of San
2: Francisco A very good question, Um, and I would say that um, we do agree with this BLA recommendation as well. I think this is a really good opportunity to really begin to investigate how we can do better in terms of competition on our solicitations. Um, This is actually work that um, the City Administrators Office Government Operations Recovery Team has already started, quite frankly. Um, In terms of the specific question about um, coordinating better with uh, other jurisdictions, perhaps Bay Area jurisdictions, I do think, again, um, the extent of our contracting requirements is very likely much more extensive than other jurisdictions that could again if we do partner with them either limit competition or they would maybe just decide that it's not worth partnering with us because we do have to impose those requirements on any contractor that we contract with Um, but again I think it is worth investigating to see if there are maybe other similar jurisdictions that have similar social policies or if there may be an instance where we attempt to do such um, joint procurement that we can get approval perhaps to Exemption. to get exceptions to some of those policies.
0: Great, and so I think with the recommendation from the budget and legislative analyst is that to have a report uh, from uh, the purchaser and the city administrator by June, 2023. Um, so I just wanna make sure that you are committed to that and that is feasible.
2: We're certainly happy to discuss further with you the scope of, of such a, a report.
0: That'd be great, and I think that, it, and. in from where this body stands, I think, uh, while it's not just, I, I think that the report may not just applicable to this contract, specifically to this contract, but just really generally speaking in terms of uh, purchase of like goods. Um, supply cost increase is real, and I think that we're seeing this contract today, but there pr- could be other goods that probably, sounds like it's increasing cost. Um, so it would be great to see how those strategies actually uh, apply to not just this contract but across the board. So I think that wanted to understand and, and want to make sure that you know the report that we're seeking probably it's a little bit broader than just this contract, particularly. Thank you for joining us. Do you have any question?
5: Uh, no, n- not any necessarily any questions. I, I think that there needs to be a distinction drawn when we're thinking about 12X since it's been brought up. I mean, our construction contracts aren't necessarily as impacted, but our information and technology and goods and services are, as well as some of our engineering services. So I don't know. In this case, it sounds like the geographic confinement is really what limited the amount of people that applied because you had an on-call requirement. I think if that were not in there, we probably would have gotten many more bidders uh, given that circumstance, given the area and the ability to, to draw from that. So I don't know necessarily if that's germane to this particular instance, um, but certainly for further conversations, and we are looking at construction contracts. We have some legislation that's, that will deal directly with 12X. I know Supervisor Mandelman has a broader um, scope. We're happy to work with him on that as well. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Supervisor Safai. Um, seeing no more name on the roster, um, Mr. Clerk, please go to public comment. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yes, Madam Chair, members of the public who wish to speak on the item of men or joining us in person should line up now to speak along along the curtains. For those listening remotely, please call 415 655 0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2499 581 1506 and press bound twice. Once connected press star three to enter the speaker line And for those already in the queue Please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and they'll be your signal to begin your comments Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber And madam chair, we have no speakers in the queue
0: Thank you. No more seeing no more no more public comment public comment is now closed and I make I move this item to the full board with recommendation and that we look forward to seeing the report uh, by June 2023 uh, as recommended by the budget and legislative analyst. Um, Mr. Clerk, please call to roll.
1: On that motion to forward this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation and that the committee is requesting the report from the purchaser and the city administrator as offered by the budget and legislative analyst and vice chair of Mandelman. Amendment, aye. Member Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Chan? Aye. Chan, aye. We have three ayes.
0: Thank you. The motion passes. Mr. Clerk, can you please call item number two?
1: Yes, item number two is a resolution retroactively authorizing the Recreation and Park Department to accept and expand a grant from the California Department of Parks and Recreation in the amount of $25 million for the India Basin Shoreline Park Project, approving the associated grant agreement for a term of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2027, and authorizing the Recreation and Park Department to enter into amendments or modifications to the agreement that do not materially increase the obligations or liabilities of the city and are necessary to effectuate the purposes of the project or this resolution. Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 24995811506 and press pound twice. Once connected, press star 3 to enter the speaker line. A prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand, and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, it will be your signal to begin your comments. Madam Chair.
0: Thank you, Mr. Clerk, and today we have Tony Moran, analyst from Recreation and Park Department, Capital and Planning Division.
6: Welcome. Thank you. Um, Good morning, committee members. Um, I'm going to present a little background information on the project that this $25 million grant is going to support. Next slide. The Indy Basin Waterfront Park Project is, um, will connect the 900 Ennis Park, Avenue with two existing parks, the Indian Basin Shoreline Park and Indian Basin Open Space. This will build, result in a new 10-acre waterfront park that is meaningful, equitable, and essential to the health of San Francisco's southeast communities. Next slide. Am I to do it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, the park priorities will um, address decades of environmental contamination resulting from boat building and repair activities um, on the bayfront. It also will create an inspiring and amenity rich waterfront park that will build community and capacity and is reflective of the Bayview community. It creates a resilient healthy and adaptive shoreline that will also support and protect the community And this project also included the creation of an equitable development plan that will assure that the community will benefit from the project through workforce development, construction jobs, and economic opportunities. The equitable development plan was developed with the community support and with the support of nonprofit um, organizations from the community. Next slide. Uh, Yes, the project is broken into three phases. The first phase, phase one, is remediation of 900 Ennis. It was completed August of 2022 at a cost of $12 million. The second phase is uh, park development of 900 Ennis. This is currently in progress and that project will cost $54 million. Funding is all in place for that. The third and final phase of the renovation um, will be the renovation of the India Basin Shoreline Park and that is what this grant will support. Next slide. Uh, the current site as you can see on the left lacks uh, recreational amenities, It is has outdated play structures, doesn't have gathering areas, um, this, the landscape is unsustainable, there's no protection from the sun and wind and there are no restrooms so we're going to address that through the renovation of Shoreline Park. We will be building a cookout terrace with grills, uh, basketball courts, a new playground and adult area that will support multi-generation um, activities. Next slide. The construction of India Basin Shoreline Park is expected to start July 2024 and finish July 2025. Um, the estimate cost is 60 million dollars we are actively fundraising for the project and have several state agencies interested in supporting the project we're here to request your recommendation to accept and expend the grant um, and I have the project manager here if you have any project specific questions I'm available to answer questions about the grant itself thank you
0: thank you uh, just a quick question uh, you broke it down to just three different faces uh, first phase 12 million and second phase that is currently in progress of the 54 and then I see that here it says sixty million that is for phase 3 um, what was the funding source for the existing uh, phase that is currently in progress for the 54 million
6: um, the budget that was provided with the um, with the legislation provides all the funding sources it was um, actually on one of the slides and so there's currently around 37 million dollars that we have secured. The project's going to start in 2024 and we have already talked to three agencies that are interested in investing upwards of 15 million dollars. 50, five zero? 15, 15? no,
0: one mm-hmm. five. <laughs> No problem, I just want to understand. So what is the total uh, total funding?
6: The total estimated funding is, can you put that side back on? That we have secured today, which is what we provided. Just for the project. $60 million. Total is sixty million. For se- this phase of work, phase three.
0: And then the current progress is $54
6: million. Yes, and those funds have been secured.
0: I, I see. And then what is the funding source for that, for $54 million?
6: The $54 million, I actually, um, can I ask the project manager to come up and talk about that? He's nice about it.
7: Good morning. Good morning. Uh, the, the funding sources for the $54 million is a combination of we have a $25 million state grant, uh, we have a, a $5.8 million prop, ga- uh, prop 68 grant, and then we have uh, a combination of private donors and uh, a few other sources.
0: But that's listing here as your phase three for your total 60
7: it's similar we're we're trying to get another 25 million dollar grant for phase 3 so this is a second uh, state parks grant
0: right thought right so you already cuz this is a second 25 million that you're getting from California State Parks
7: right Correct that is correct Great job
0: I mean you're yeah. getting the state money <laughs> I'm not I'm not yeah. mad <laughs> So you're getting total 50 million dollars from the state's that's wonderful I wish you do that for every park project but um, thank you
7: you're welcome. Yeah, and just to answer your uh, earlier question, the total initiative for the entire project is 200 million, and that includes Phase One, Phase Two, yeah. Phase Three, and then our uh, equitable, equitable de- development plan um, initiative.
0: Because your first 12 million was actually coming from EPA, right?
7: Uh, part of it came from the EPA, part of it came from uh, the um, uh, Bay Restoration, and then we had uh, some general fund as well.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. Question? If not, Mr. Collett, please go to public comment.
1: Yes, members of the public uh, who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2499581, 1506, then press pound twice. Once connected, press star 3 to enter the speaker line. Please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted. And I'll be your signal to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber and, and madam chair we have no speakers in the queue
0: seeing no more public comments public comment is now closed um mr clerk i would like to move this uh to the full board with recommendation please call the roll
1: on that motion to forward this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation vice chair mandelman mandelman aye member safai safai aye chair chan Aye. Chan, aye. We have three ayes.
0: Thank you. This motion passes. Mr. Clerk, please call item number three.
1: As yes. item number three is a resolution approving and authorizing a lease and operating agreement between the city and county, hacking by and through its Recreation and Park Department, and Golden Gate Park Golf Development Foundation for the management and operation of the clubhouse and golfing operations at Golden Gate Park Golf, located at 970 47th Avenue for an initial term of six years with one option to extend the term for an additional nine years with an annual base rent of 275000 plus a share of revenues effective upon approval of this resolution, determining that the rental rate under the agreement is appropriate and that the agreement will serve a public purpose in accordance with the Administrative Code, adopting findings declaring that the property is exempt surplus land under the California Surplus Lands Act and authorize uh, the uh, Rec Park General Manager to enter into amendments or modifications to the lease that do not materially increase the obligations or liabilities to the city and are necessary to effectuate the purposes of this lease or the resolution. Uh, Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2499-581-1506 and press pound twice i uh, press star 3 to enter the speaker line. Uh, a system prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand, and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, that will be your signal to begin your comments. Madam Chair.
0: Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Today we have Dana Ketchum, Director of Property Management, Permits and Reservation from San Francisco Recreation and Park Department. The floor is yours. Thanks
8: for being here. Uh, good morning, supervisors. Um, a little background just to start first on the golf course. Uh, the golden gate park golf course is a nine hole relatively short golf course in the Western end of golden gate park. It was originally opened in 1949. The golf course has a putting green an eight station driving cage and a clubhouse. It is a great course for a quick round of golf and for beginners and for our youth. The department does all of the maintenance of the course, but the day-to-day operations of the course with the public, such as taking tea times, offering food and beverages, providing merchandise and lessons has been done by an operator. Back in 2013, following a request for proposal, a nonprofit affiliate of First Tea was selected as the new operator. Now, just a quick background on First Tee, the First Tee is an organization dedicated to educating youth through golf. Under the terms of the 2013 agreement, First Tee had the opportunity to use it to support its youth-serving program while also operating the course. When we entered into the agreement, we were pleased to have found a nonprofit operator who also served children. Since 2013, they have done an excellent job of running the golf course and offering excellent food and beverage and creating a community. Rounds of golf played have increased from 32,000 to over 40,000. In the summer of 2018, I believe it was July 4th, tragedy struck as an arson fire destroyed the clubhouse. The first team worked with us and has been operating out of a mobile carrier. Construction of a new clubhouse began this winter and is expected to be completed this year. The 2013 agreement with the first tee expired in December, 2020, and it has been operating on a month to month basis since this time due to the challenges of launching a new RFP during the pandemic. In June, 2020, we did launch a new RFP and presentations were attended by numerous golf operators. The first T was the only respondent and they were selected and a new agreement was negotiated between us and them, which we are presenting today. As part of the RFP, we took note of the fact that the golf course had significant deferred maintenance, particularly its irrigation systems. When we launched the RFP, we added provisions looking for a new operator to possibly invest in the golf course irrigation system in exchange for a longer lease. Now the basics of the lease. The term of the lease is six years, but if First T invests over 2 million into renovating the golf course irrigation and drainage systems in the first three years, they will have the option to extend it for another nine years for a total term of 15 years. Following the reopening, there is 250,000 annual base rent plus 53,000 for maintenance equipment and a share of greens fee and concession revenue. The BLA report provides an excellent summary of those terms and I'm sure they will address this. We hope you will support this lease. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Chair Tran. Item three is a resolution approving a new Lease and operating agreement between the city and the Golden Gate Park Golf Foundation, a nonprofit, um, to lease and operate the Golden Gate Park Golf Course. Uh, the lease has an initial six year terms with an option to extend an additional nine years at the tenant's discretion, so long as they put in $2 million um, of capital improvements to this site, which would be used to repair and replace an irrigation system, and the, the, that will be privately fundraised. The, the the foundation was the only respondent to an RFP used to identify um, providers, and we detailed the, um, the sort of the revenues and the net cost to the city from the lease on page 11 of our report. You'll see that the lease provides a base rent and then other fees to the city, which um, offset most of the cost of the city to maintain the park. Or excuse me, maintain the golf course. So that the net cost of the city is only about twenty thousand dollars a year, um, the, and as I mentioned, the lease also requires that the tenant put in two million dollars of capital improvements. We do recommend approval.
0: Thank you, colleagues. Any questions?
5: No, I just uh, I just wanted to say, for the record, I think these kinds of opportunities and places for young people, particularly first tee, getting young people involved in golf and having this type of recreation. Um, particularly nine holes, makes it easier for people to access. This is a great um, location for this golf course. I like the idea of having the, uh, the operating agreement, the way it's structured, in terms of revenue sharing, in terms of the amount of money that goes to the city and then decreases the amount of money that the city has to put into this space overall. So just very supportive of this and appreciate the partnership with First T as well, getting young people engaged early. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Supervisor Safayi I concur. I appreciate the work on this, um, and I have to say, I my family is a family of golfer, not me, but but my son. <laughs> my son loves it, and uh, actually participated participated first tee uh, during the pandemic, um, during summer camp, and and in Golden Gate Park, in fact. And really appreciate um, first tee's uh, work and being very welcoming to the youth and i'm glad to see this partnership can continue and would like to be added as a co-sponsor uh to this uh lease agreement which i really appreciate Uh, thank you so much and um i look forward to seeing the renovation it's much needed for the irrigation in golden gate park especially the fact that you use recycled groundwater so it's good um
5: sorry supervisor safari madam chair just please add me as a Uh, Madam, uh, Mr. Clerk, please add me as a co-sponsor as well.
0: Great. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Seeing no more comments, and let's go to public comment.
1: Thank you, Madam Chair, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person to line up now, uh, right by the curtains. Uh, For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2499-581-1506. Then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. Uh, for those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted. There will be a signal to begin your comments. Um, go ahead and step up to the lectern, and I'll uh, start your time when you start speaking. Good morning,
9: committee members. My name is Gary Jabini, and I, I'm here to speak in support of the proposed lease agreement between the San Francisco Rec and Park Department and the Golden Gate. Golden Gate Park Golf Development Foundation. I'm 70 years old, a lifetime resident of San Francisco, and I live in the inner sunset. I retired in 2012 from the San Francisco trial courts. I first played golf at Golden Gate in the late 1950s, and I've I've competed in over 40 family golf tournaments. I go to the course almost daily to play, practice, or see friends. Golden Gate is unique in generating a true sense of community and camaraderie for those who regularly frequent it. It is accessible and affordable to seniors and retirees like myself and comprised of a diverse community where all are welcome regardless of age, ability, ethnicity, or gender. Since the First T Foundation assumed course management in 2013, they've made significant improvements and initiated innovative programs. The range has been refurbished, the rental equipment upgraded, enhanced course marshalling has improved the pace of play and the staff is well trained and knowledgeable. Despite losing the clubhouse to a fire in 2018 and the COVID pandemic, Joe Coran and his staff are to be commended for the tremendous job they've done under challenging circumstances. They truly care and provide the highest level of service to our community, and we are fortunate to have such dedicated operators who strive to place our needs first to ensure our enjoyment and safeguard our public welfare. On behalf of the thousands of regulars, in the co- on behalf of the, on behalf of the thousands the last of regulars. Th- Who enjoy Golden Gate? I want to voice our full endorsement of the proposed. Speaker's time
1: has elapsed. uh, Thank you so much. Uh, Yeah, uh, sorry to cut anybody off, but we are timing each speaker to two minutes. But thank you for your testimony.
10: Good morning, supervisors. My name is Kelly Wu, and I'm also here to speak in support of the proposed agreement between SF Rec and Park and the Golden Gate Park Golf Development Foundation, part of First T San Francisco. I'm a junior at the University of San Francisco, and I'm part of the Honors College, and I am studying psychology. I was born and raised here in San Francisco, and I still live in the city, and I'm a product of SFUSD. The reason I'm here today is to share the incredible impact First Tee San Francisco and Golden Gate Park golf course have had on my life. The resolution you're considering is about more than a golf course. It is about the community and for young women like me. My first experience with First Tee was at age 10 when my fifth grade class bust out to TPC Harding Park to learn golf. Little did I know that first experience would send me on a wonderful journey. So much has happened since then, transforming from a shy child to a confident and focused adult. I love First C because it's a second family, and I've enjoyed so many experiences as a participant and now as a coach. Although I've gotten pretty good at golf sometimes, it's the relationships I have built and mentors I trust that mean the most, and it kept me out of trouble. First T instilled in me incredible values, including my favorite core value, perseverance, which helped me get through rough patches in high school and through several losses and trials. The college prep program at First T kept me on track and helped me get to college. Without perseverance, my family would not be in America, and I wouldn't be where I am. Golf and First T have helped me discover my passion for developing youth through life skills, which I plan to make my career after college. First he has also relieved many financial burdens on my family from my time as a participant and now with college. Without the Tatum Scholarship, I would not be able to afford a private university. I'm 10 months away from achieving my immigrant grandparents' dreams and becoming the first person in my family to graduate from college. Finally, Golden Gate Park Golf Course has been a great place for me and First T students... speaker's
1: time has elapsed. Okay, thanks. Thanks so much for your testimony, Kelly Boop. Next speaker, please.
2: Um, Supervisors, my name is Dan Burke. I'm the CEO of First T San Francisco. I just wanted to say a couple brief words. I'll keep it very short. Well, thank you for supporting this. It is the right thing, uh, both fiscally and for the community. And we look forward to collaborating with Park and Rec
1: and the government to
2: continue working together against some of the systemic problems that kids in
1: our society face. Thank you. Thank you, Dan Burke, for your comments seeing no further speakers here in the chamber we are checking the telephonic line and madam chair we have no speakers in the queue
0: thank you seeing no more public comments public comment is now closed mr click i would like to move this item to full board with recommendation please call the roll
1: on that motion to forward this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation vice chair manman manelman I, member Safai, Safai, aye chair chan Aye. Chan, I. We have three ayes.
0: Thank you. The motion passes. Mr. Clerk, please call item number four.
1: Item number four is a resolution authorizing the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development to expend SOMA Community Stabilization Fund dollars in the amount of two million to address various impacts of destabilization on residents and businesses in SOMA for a term to commence effective upon approval of this resolution through June 30th, 2024. Members of the public are joining us remotely and wish to comment on this resolution. Please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of two four nine nine five eight one one five zero six, and then press pound twice. Once connected, press star 3 to enter the speaker line. A system prompt will indicate that you've raised your hand, and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, there will be a queue to begin your comments. Madam Chair.
0: Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Today we have a presentation by Claudine Rosario, Grant Coordinator from the Mayor's Office of...
11: Housing and Community Development. The floor is yours. Thank you. Good morning, Supervisors Chan, Mandelman, and Safai. Today, I'm seeking authorization on behalf of the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development to expend $2 million from the SOMA Fund to fund capital improvements, uh, sorry, capital projects of community-based organizations that are serving the south of Market neighborhood. The amount represents a couple of funding of, of one-time funding opportunities that MoCD put out to bid last year. The first is capital projects that come from development fees at the 5M project in the amount of $1.5 million. And um, we do have a $2 million mayoral enhancement that's not before you today, but that we added to one of the RFPs that I'm going to discuss. And then a capital project RFP for specific business incubation spaces uh, for 500,000. Next slide. The most recent RFP that we put out um, was represented the 5M funds, and that was released on August 26th. The proposals were due September 23rd, the review period went through October 14th, and the CAC, um, the Community Advisory Committee that makes recommendations on the expenditure of the fund for your approval, voted to approve this expenditure on October 20th. And prior to that we released, on the next slide, an RFP on May 27th for the Capital um, Business Incubator Projects. Uh, The proposals were due July 8th, review went through August 12th, and the CAC voted to approve that as well on October 20th as we um, meet quarterly. Next slide, please. For the Capital RFP, um, the, the 5M funds, we received five proposals and we had a review panel of three. And for the Capital Business Incubator RFP, we received one proposal and also had three reviewers. We scored the RFP proposals based on the list of um, categories that you see listed on this slide. Go to the next slide, please. And then the funding recommendations that we have before you are here. Um, for the capital projects in um, in the amount of 1.5 million, the first recommendation that we have is for cultivate labs for 200 thousand dollars, and that is to fund electrical safety and operational upgrades to um, the organization's outdoor community space, Coppola Gardens. The second is for United Players. It's the larger um, recommendation for a total of three well, actually for, for $1,115,470 out of the SOMA fund, which will be added to a $2 million mayoral enhancement for the acquisition of a new community facility at 1044 Howard. And finally, the Renaissance Entrepreneurship Center is requesting um, support for fire and safety and accessibility compliance upgrades to the organization's existing building and then the second RFP was for 500, oops sorry and these are the um, list of organizations that were not funded and then the second RFP for 500,000 on the next slide Uh, the one proposal that we received was for 500,000 and that is to design tenant improvements to the business incubator site on Mission Street to improve the space for uses as a retail space art gallery and cafe and that is consistent with the CHESS plan for SOMA Pilipinas, as well as in alignment with OEWD's economic recovery plan. And that is all I have for the presentation today. I'm here for questions. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And this item has a BLA report.
3: Thank you, uh, Chair Chan. Item four is a resolution um, approving a $2 million uh, spend from the SOMA Community Stabilization Fund um, as noted, the awards um, for the projects for, um, that will be funded with this money um, uh, were made following the results of two RFPs, which we detail in our report. F- uh, four projects were selected um, uh, to benefit non- the following nonprofits, Cultivate Labs, United Playas, and Renaissance Entrepreneurship Center. The projects for undertaken by Cultivate and Renaissance will be for tenant improvements, which we detail in the report. Um, and then uh, the bulk of the money, 1.1 million dollars, uh, will be uh, provided to United Players to help them acquire a property on Howard Street and also renovate it uh, to expand their existing programs. We did see an appraisal um, for the um, that was done a year ago. That supports the uh, kind of cost information that was provided by the department. You can see the detail um, of the fiscal impact on page 16 of our report, which shows that after, two, after this $2 million is approved, um, the SOMA, SOMA Community Stabilization Fund balance will be reduced from 4.3 to 2.3 million dollars. Um, you know, typically spending from this fund um, is to benefit is to is provided to ongoing programs um, that nonprofits provide within the SOMA community. Um, This is a little different. These are capital projects, including uh, funding and acquisition and renovation um, of a nonprofit community space. And so for that reason, uh, we wanted to create a kind of stronger accountability mechanism. Um, And so we do have a recommendation, which the department does agree with. We collaborated with them on that to amend this resolution uh, to request a report back from the department, um, which contains the following elements. One, what the appraised value of the site is uh, closer to the actual purchase, what the final cost of the purchase was, including the amount of city funding um, supporting the purchase, a confirmation that a declaration of restrictions will be recorded on the site to restrict the use to community-serving purposes, and then also providing an updated renovation budget. Right now, it's estimated to be ten million dollars, which will be partially funded by the city. Um, but we do recommend approval as amended, and we will be following up with the department uh, to get the letter.
0: Thank you. Uh, I I have a couple questions uh, follow up on that. So here is. Talked about for spe- specifically for United Players, that um, it's getting roughly a little bit over a million dollars from this fund, sure. um, but about two million is actually coming from a general fund, mayoral enhancement.
11: Can you explain a little bit of that? Uh, there's a separate mayoral budget that was allocated to our department to put out for a similar use. And so what we did was we combined that two sources into one RFP, put them both out through a competitive bidding process. Um, and we, the, the proposals that were reviewed, there were five proposals. And so the, our review panel um, recommended to break it out in that way. And that $2 million, what is the category the categories for capital funding i believe it's also acquisition and renovation of capital um, projects in soma that serve the priority population so we made it consistent with um, the priority population and geography of the soma fund
0: um so that was two million dollars from the mayor Enhancements fund specifically for the mayor's office housing and community developments for the capital improvements and in- acquisitions specifically but for the Soma area. For, for the South Market so concentrated neighborhood specifically. In area. Yes. Not population. Okay. And then and then here we also try to understand it's now the actual renovation itself for the sites of ten forty four Howard is roughly an estimate of ten million dollars. Yes. So have we identified, or has the organization actually identified funding source or yes. funding and secure funding for the renovation?
11: Yes. I'm, unfortunately, I don't have the... the um the budget, but they, the, the detailed budget, but they did identify the majority of those funds. This is one of the last remaining kind of gaps in their funding that they were seeking to fill. Um, one of the identified sources, there are various sources, but one of the identified sources is actually the state for four million. So that's, um, you know, where a majority of the funding is coming from.
0: Great. And do we know the category of the state fund?
11: You know, I don't have that, sorry.
0: Um, I think sometimes it will be good to know actually, for all of us to say, hey, this is not just sort of like a purchase of a site and then we now have to wait um, to secure. So um, I appreciate that, and, but it will be great. I think along the report, the resolution that requests that report that comes back, if you can actually also provide additional of like a breakdown of funding sources for Absolutely. that 10 million for actual renovation, which is including an updated renovation
11: pro forma um that will be wonderful just Yeah, that's great us. and we also usually ask for an appraisal that's more current because the the most recent one we have is a year ago so yes thank you no problem questions colleagues thank you. No, yeah, I,
5: supervisor I, thank you I just I wanted to be added as a support for this I think you know one of the things that we know historically from the level of development that's happened in SOMA and the impact to the community I think there was has been a conscious decision and a thoughtful decision to make reinvestments back in homegrown community-based organizations. There has always been a push, but not necessarily always the funding to stabilize these organizations, whether it be through their uh, homegrown businesses or homegrown nonprofits, or even helping them purchase buildings to ensure that their longevity outlasts uh, the major increases in many ways, and the push uh, to gentrify and push out uh, people that have been there for a long time. So I think this is very thoughtful. Um, these are all. Um, I know most of these organizations. I know Renaissance and United Players and Bay Area Video and Filipino American. I had not heard of Cultivate Labs, so I can't speak to them. But. I'm sure that they're all wonderful uh, collectively, so just happy to support this and happy to see that we're doing all we can to stabilize these uh, organizations that are homegrown, community-based. And thank you for your uh, work on this, and thank you for being a strong voice for the community.
11: Thank you, Supervisor.
0: Thank you, Supervisor Sarfayi. Uh, Mr. Clerk, let's go to public comment. Thank you.
1: Yes, members of the public who wish to speak thank on site side are joining us in person should line up now. How for those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of two four nine nine five eight one one five zero six, then press pound twice, once connected press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your signal to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here at the chamber, um, and Mr. Lamb, can you unmute our caller, please?
0: Thank you. Um, hello. Oh, on. On. Um, we on. do have one color in
1: that. Thank on the cable. you.: Hello, Color. we do hear you. Do you hear me?: Yes. Please
12: begin.: Okay. Uh, okay, let me be very clear about the presentation that this woman gave. That is not the way to do a presentation, and the budget analyst and the city attorney had to pay attention with all that's going on with the nonprofits and all the articles that have been written by the San Francisco Standard. I clearly heard Nancy Pelosi say that she's going to contribute $4 million when she was the Speaker of the House. Now the budget analyst says that money is coming from the state. We, the people, the taxpayers, want to know where is it really coming from. The board of supervisors have got this habit of making very general statements. Oh, you know, so and so is doing good work, and but the board of supervisors are not doing uh, good work. I have a nonprofit that has been in good standing from the year 2000. Do you know that during the stimulus thing, we didn't receive anything even though we applied? We applied a couple of times, and then I stopped applying. This city is full of BS, and it's all coming out. How can nonprofits get grants if that certification is not in order? How? 137. And now you will come up with this gimmicks. Where are we getting the money from, really? And who authorizes it? Does the controller's office know about this situation? Just the same people getting the money? And you will say, oh, you know, somebody has... has
1: Again, I do uh, apologize for cutting anybody off, but uh, we are timing each speaker at two minutes. Uh, and Madam Chair, that concludes our queue.
0: Thank you. Seeing no more public comments, public comment is now closed. I will move this item to full board uh, with positive recommend. Oh, sorry. Twice. We need to, I know it is twice. It's always coming towards the end. Where I'm like, oh. this. <laughs> Supervisor Mandelman.
4: Please add me as
5: a co-sponsor. There you go. <laughs> no Mr. Vice Chair.
0: And it's the motion to amend the proposed resolution.
5: I'm sorry, I, I do, Madam Chair, can I ask one quick question yeah. just to the department? Um, just because we do have a piece of legislation that we've introduced on nonprofits and their standing, have all of these, has the department uh, determined that all of these nonprofits are in good standing with their okay. 501c3 status? by the state of California?
11: That is a very good question. Um, I think United players... All- if, you don't,
5: if you don't know off the top of your head, if you could just send us an email before mm-hmm. we vote on it at the full board, that would be really helpful. Absolutely, I can do you. that. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Thank um, you. With that, uh, I'm gonna make the motion to amend the proposed resolution to request the report um, as recommended by BLA. Please call the roll for the
1: motion. On that motion, uh, amend the proposed resolution uh, to request a report as detailed by the Budget and Legislative Analyst, Vice Chair Mendelman, Mentleman aye. Member Safai. Safai, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have three ayes.
0: Thank you. The motion passes, and I move to move this amended item to full, ball, full board with recommendation. Please call the roll.
1: On that motion to forward this resolution to the full board with a positive recommendation as amended, Vice-Chair uh, Vice Chair Madelman Chairman, Madelman, aye. Member Safai. Safai, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have three ayes.
0: Thank you. The motion passes. Um, Sir, <clears throat> Clerk, please call item five, six, and seven together.
1: Yes, Madam Chair. Items 5, 6 and 7. Our resolutions authorizing the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development for the following with Kelsey Civic Center LP as developer regarding a property located at 240 Van S Avenue in Kelsey Civic Center as the project. Uh, item number 5 authorizes the execution of a standard agreement and other related documents with the State of California Department of Housing and Community Development or HCD under the California Housing Accelerator Program, which standard agreement includes an award of approximately $37.3 million, has a loan to the developer as sole borrower for construction of a development affordable to low and moderate income households at the property for a term of five years to commence upon execution of the standard agreement by HCD. Item number six approves and authorizes the Director of Property and MoCD to enter into a ground lease for the property with the developer for a lease term of 75 years and one 24-year option to extend and an annual base rent of $15,000 in order to construct a 100% affordable, 112-unit multifamily rental housing development affordable to low-income households, including 28 units for people with disabilities who are eligible to receive home and community-based services, Pintu resident manager units, approving and authorizing a loan agreement in the amount not to exceed approximately $24.6 million for a minimum loan term of 57 years to finance the development and construction of the project, adopting findings declaring that the property is exempt surplus lands pursuant to the California Surplus Lands Act. Determining that the less-than-market rent payable under-the-ground lease will serve a public purpose by providing affordable housing for low-income households in need in accordance with the Administrative Code, adopting findings that the project and proposed transactions are consistent with the general plan and are eight priority policies of the Planning Code authorizing the Director of Property to execute the ground lease and the director of MoCD to execute the loan agreement and make certain modifications to such agreements and take certain actions in furtherance of the resolution has defined and authorize the director of property and director of MoCD to enter into any additions, amendments, or other modifications to the ground lease and loan agreement, respectively, that do not materially increase the obligations or liabilities uh, to the city, and necessary to effectuate the purposes of the ground lease and the loan agreement or this resolution. Item number seven authorizes MoCD to execute the standard agreements and other related documents with the HCD under uh, the Affordable Housing and Sustainable Communities program for a total award of approximately $29.2 million. Including $20 million dispersed by HCD as a loan to the developer for a 100% affordable housing project at the property, and approximately $9.2 million to be dispersed as a grant to the city for public transit improvements near the property for the periods uh, starting on the execution date of the standard agreements um, to April 30th, 2028 authorizing MoCD to accept and expend the grant uh, of up to approximately $9.2 million for transit, bicycle, and pedestrian improvements, and other transit-oriented programming as approved by HCD. Members of the public who are joining us remotely and wish to comment on these three resolutions, please call 415-655-0001, enter the meeting ID of 2499-581-1506, then press pound twice. Once connected, you'll need to press star 3 to enter the speaker line. A system problem will indicate that you have raised your hand, and when the system indicates you have not admitted, that will be your signal to begin your comments, Madam Chair.
0: Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Um, looks like uh, I just want to flag that item six has a BLA report. Um, so let's go through the presentation and then um, the BLA report for item six before we start asking
13: questions. Today we have
0: Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development here.
13: Good morning, Supervisors, Sheila Nikolopoulos, Director of Policy for MOHCD. I'd like to provide a short preamble to this project and the one that's coming after it to provide some context for affordable housing in San Francisco right now. So we are very pleased to bring six new affordable housing projects to committee this spring. Two of these projects, the Kelsey Civic Center and the Sunnydale 3B, are in front of you today. Both of these projects received accelerator funds from the state, which were awarded late last year, They were previously successful for other state financing programs going back as far as 2019, but were unable to move forward due to funding gaps that resulted from their inability to access tax-exempt bond allocations or low-income tax credits. So the California Housing Accelerator Program was created to ensure that these types of shovel-ready projects can get built, and these funds have been an incredibly important source of funding for affordable housing, especially in San Francisco. Um, These two projects and the other four that we'll be bringing to committee this spring will in total produce more than 600 affordable units throughout the city. They will count towards our RENA goals and our geographic equity goals that are laid out in the housing element. Uh, And the next four projects that you'll be seeing starting next week um, will be funded with both local and state bonds in addition to tax credits. Funding the production of affordable housing is complex. Uh, It is projects like these two before you today that show why we have to leverage our local dollars for state funding. On average, 60% of the cost of producing new affordable units comes from non-city funds. So without our ability to leverage local dollars and provide this gap financing, these projects could not get built. So we're very happy to get these across the final finish line with you today.
14: Good morning, Chair Chan and Supervisors Mandelman and E. My name is Ann Romero. I'm a senior project manager at the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development. And I am here today to present on these items number five, six and seven related to the Kelsey Civic Center affordable housing development located at 240 Van Ness Avenue. Um, These items pertain to authorization of MoCD to execute a standard agreement for state financing of the California Housing Accelerator Program that you just heard about. Approval of a city ground lease and MoCD permanent loan and authorization of MoCD to execute a standard agreement and accept and expend funds from the State Affordable Housing and Sustainable Communities Program, or ASIC, which includes both a grant for the transit improvements and a loan for the housing. So the Kelsey Civic Center is a 100% affordable housing project that was selected under the real estate division led C40 reinventing cities design competition back in 2016 with the goal of transforming underutilized urban sites into climate friendly projects. The Kelsey organization brought in Mercy Housing California as their developer partner and in 2020, the city reached an agreement to exchange a portion of city owned real estate with an adjacent property to create a more developable parcel as shown in this site map. MoCD provided a pre-development loan in 2021 and this sponsor has obtained critical state financing. In December, 2022, the citywide affordable housing loan committee approved a permanent loan in ground lease, which is before you today. So the Kelsey Civic Center will have 112 units, including 28 units for people with disabilities who are eligible to receive home and community-based services. The project is envisioned as an inclusive environment where residents with disabilities receive the service supports they need to live independently in a larger community setting. The project will also include the first-of-its-kind Disability Community Cultural Center being developed in collaboration with the Department of Disability and Aging Services, which will face City Hall on Grove Street. The state ASIC funding includes a $9.3 million grant to provide neighborhood transit, bike, and pedestrian improvements on Folsom and Mission Streets to be implemented by the SFMTA. Uh, So next, we have a summary of the permanent financing for the residential development. It includes a MO loan of up to 23.7, plus a bridge loan for the AHP funds. And the project is leveraging state ASIC and accelerator loans that total over $57 million. There will be a small mortgage in the amount of 1.6 million. Uh, Upon your approval, this project is anticipated to start construction in early March of this year and complete in december 2024. we have representatives from the sponsor organization of mercy housing california and the kelsey here today i recommend approval of the three resolutions and i am happy to answer any questions thank you
0: thank you Ms. romera um we let's have BLA for the item number six
3: Thank you, Chair Chen. Item six is a resolution approving uh, a, a city loan to the Kelsey Civic Center LP. The resolution um, takes a number of other actions, but also approves a ground lease with that same entity. Um, as was just noted, the Kelsey Civic Center project is a 112-unit affordable housing project on Van Ness. We detailed the total costs of, of the development on page 23 of our report. Um, which is $88.5 million, with the city putting in $24.7 million. Um, The cost of these units is about $800,000 per unit. These are mostly studios. And we note in the report that, um, you know, according to the department, these relatively high costs of development are driven in part by uh, issues, you know, with the global supply chain, but also due to um, aesthetic considerations to conform with the neighborhood um, design standards. Um, having said that, this is a, you know, this l- loan and the lease is uh, cons- has the consistent controls for MOCD projects and we recommend approval.
0: Thank you. Um, Supervisor Mendelman.
4: Um, thank you Chair Chan and I am, ex- you know, I'm excited about this project and I'm excited about the next one and I'm grateful for the work that I know a lot of Folks have done in MoCD and other parts of the city to um, make these projects happen. I, I do want to talk, maybe, or in, invite MoCD to talk a little bit about the cost side. Um, and the BLA has indicated there, you know, there may be some specific things about these projects that you know drove costs high. But I'm also under the impression that San Francisco, in general, has very high cost of development. For affordable projects and that that um, is a problem not just in terms of how much of the dollars of our dollars that we end up spending but that those projects become not competitive for other sources of funding so not only are we spending more of our money but we may not even be spending more of our money because we can't leverage the other money Um, and I have heard that there's a NOFA that's gone out from um, MoCD that has a very, um, you know, that's clearly aiming at getting as many points as possible, but is kind of a pretzel of a of a um, of a you know of a vision for affordable housing, just ticking off boxes that are very hard to tick. And we need to be, you know, building lots of affordable housing for lots of people, not just um, the populations that are going to you know, get the very highest points to make up for very high costs of development. So I know the prior director of MoCD was quite focused on cost. um, And I'm curious how MoCD is, what MoCD is doing at the moment to think about cost of development and trying to make it less expensive to develop affordable housing in San Francisco.
13: Thank you, Supervisor. It's a great question and something we think about all day. you know, big picture, there are, there's sort of four sources that are really driving up our costs right now. The biggest one is just the unpredictability and volatility of funding, both state funding and um, just rising interest rates uh, and construction costs. Uh, second, there is, um, there's a neighborhood opposition which can often delay projects mm-hmm. and all of that involves carrying costs that then drive up the, the end cost of a project. Um, In addition, we're having uh, connectivity issues reflecting disagreements between the PUC and PG&E, and those are also delaying our ability to move projects through in a quick timeline. So we know some of the big challenges that are facing us, and we are looking towards the Housing Element Implementation Plan, which has hundreds of very specific items that we are currently working with planning and with the mayor's office to really go through those and figure out a plan to address them one by one there are legislative fixes and in the mayor's executive directive from yesterday clearly lays out some specific actions with deadlines that are coming up for us to work with other departments and figure out um, some immediate steps that we can take to address these and there are as the BLA mentioned there are some specific um, items with each of these projects that have contributed to cost as well. So the project managers can speak to those if you're interested.
9: Well,
4: I, I guess, <clears throat> um, I mean, I'm less interested in the particular things that yeah. are making this these two projects mm-hmm. expensive and more interested in whether there are bigger issues. It seems like rising costs that are related to interest rates and um, uh, costs of materials are things that would, potentially be impacting a development here or a development in Tracy or a development anywhere. So I'm not sure there's a whole lot we can do about that, although you can tell me if I'm wrong. I'm curious about the neighborhood opposition piece because my, my understanding was that with you know, SB 35, <clears throat> that shouldn't be as much of a factor in slowing down projects, although it may still be. And there was an example on Irving Street um, and and maybe that's you know in the neighborhood of what you're thinking about. Where as a funder, we still have there's still this level of uncertainty about whether the city's actually going to fund um, fund the project, regardless of any land use um, uh, approvals that it may need. PUC PG&E fights um, may be beyond us to solve, although probably something we should understand and um, should be pushing on you know someone about. But I guess, you know, the piece that you're leaving out is whether there are city process um, costs. And I think at least the, the media believes that there are significant city process costs associated with private development in moving projects through the approvals that need to happen, not for discretionary approval, but for different departments and different levels of review that can go on apparently in San Francisco longer than in other places. And I don't know that SB35 gets you out of those. And so I'm wondering if there's anything in there that seems relevant.
13: Um, Yes, there are definitely process improvements that we've identified that we would like to put forward a package for to help us expedite the way that we can move affordable housing through. SB 35 has been a godsend. We use it for all of our projects, but there are still some internal processes that can gum things up. Um, so we, I think it was last week or the week before, we had brought an item to this committee to help do some delegated authority, which can help us move things through faster. We have another um, item around delegated authority that we'll be bringing in about a month or so. So there are, we are trying to look through all of these, even if they're smaller things, where collectively those incremental changes can help us move things in a faster pace. And we will well, be working yeah. very closely with planning to, right. to help identify those.
4: Well, insofar as there are things where the, where you need a legislative fix, um, I'm sure there are many people on the board who are interested. But I am always good for a um, even a politically unattractive if um, <laughs> if if correct and important um, reform. So uh, let me know.
0: Thank you, Vice Chair Mandelman. I I think I I don't really have. A, Um, question really pertaining to these three items but the mention of volatile state funding or unstable state funding could you actually elaborate a little bit on that?
13: Uh, The state had changed their regulations a few years ago regarding bond financing and so what used to be fairly straightforward money that we were able to get from the state has changed dramatically Um, and so there's now we we don't know, we, we submit applications, but there's not this level of certainty or predictability that we used to have in the past. So we have examples of projects that have gone to the state multiple times for funding and we don't get it. And so then we have to sort of pull, you know, step back big picture, reassess how we're gonna piece together all of the financing. Um, and, and sometimes projects get delayed until we're able to access those state funds. We do work very closely with our elected representatives here in San Francisco and with our lobbyists at the state to try and make some changes, if we can, to help ensure that we just get more predictability in what's coming from the state.
0: What are the changes?
13: What changes do we need? Um, we need to see some, Who would like to see just some more consistency among the bond financing. I think as as one of you mentioned there is there's we're stuck in this spot where to be eligible for certain kinds of state grant funds um, our projects sometimes our projects get too expensive and so we do need to look at how we can lower our costs locally so that we can be more expensive or be able to get those funds Uh, yeah thanks I I, I agree I think that so it sounds
0: like you know we've been trying to do that with Treasurer Fiona Ma, and we're trying to appeal to her to really like reconsider. I think it's if I understand correctly, it's like the tax allocation committee that we're yeah. trying to like appeal to. I think Supervisor Sherman Walton actually has had a resolution, and then you you on behalf of the mayor continuing to send letters, and um, I think that that is part of the challenges when we want to build a 100% affordable housing. I think that while the developers, private developers have their challenges to meet the housing element goal, particularly to satisfy the you know the percentage and the goals for affordable housing, seems like we have a long ways to go. Um, not today, uh, but I think some down the road, I think we need to come back and circle back. I think this body, ha- as both as a budget committee, but also as the members of the board of supervisors been trying to tackle this. We appreciate the exact order that came out yesterday, but I think that while that I appreciated it, the administration is trying to internally make the internal process more efficient. I think there's also a larger conversation about both the funding and availability of land throughout the city, that we really need to figure that out. So thank you so much uh, for your presentation today. Seeing no more name on the roster, um, let's go to public comment.
1: Yes, Chair Chan, members of the public who wish to speak on the item and are joining us in person should line up now. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of two four nine nine five eight one one five zero six, then press pound twice. Once connected, press star three to enter the speaker line. If you're already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been un- unmuted, and that'll be your signal to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber, uh, Mr. Lamb, can you uh, unmute our caller, please?
12: This is Francisco Da Costa. This project started in 2016. It's 2023. And one of the super, supervisors seems to think that, you know, uh, using some uh, legislation, he can speed up construction. I don't know what he knows about vertical or horizontal construction. Don't you think so? It's meaningful to the citizens of San Francisco for the presenter to give us some sense of the LOI and the PSA so that we we see really how efficient they are. Mercy Housing is dubious. We need to know how much Mercy Housing owns us from all the loans that we've given them. Again, it's a few developers That go in for this shenanigans, plots and machinations, bluffing the people. There should be at least there should be one building, 100% for the physically challenged. No. Your supervisors and the mayor's office of economic development, community development, whatever development has failed San Francisco. Now y'all idiots want to go into the financial district to get those commercial buildings to build some housing. I'm going to be visiting City Hall today. Hopefully, you know, I can see some of y'all idiots in person and talk to y'all. Thank you very
1: much. Thank you, Francisco de Costa, for your comments. And Madam Chair, that completes our queue.
0: Thank you. Seeing no more public comments, public comment is now closed. Mr. Clerk, I would like to move this... These three items, item five, six, seven, to the full board with recommendation. Please call to roll.
1: On that motion to forward uh, items 5, 6, and 7 to the full board with positive recommendation, Vice-Chair Mandelman? Mandelman, aye. Member Safai? Safai, aye. Chair Chan? Aye. Chan, aye. We have three ayes. Uh, n- noted, Mr. Vice-Chair.
0: The motion passes. Mr. Clerk, can you please call item 8, 9, and 10 together?
1: Yes, item numbers 8 through 10 uh, are resolutions authorizing the mayor's uh, Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development for the following with Sunnydale Block 3B Housing Partners LP as developer regarding a property located at 155 Sunnydale Avenue in Sunnydale Hope SF Block 3B as the project item number eight is a resolution authorizing the mayor's office of housing and community development on behalf of the city and county to execute a standard agreement and other related documents with the state of california department of housing and community development under the california housing accelerator program which standard agreement includes an award of approximately 47.8 million as a loan to the developer has sole borrower for construction of a development um, affordable to low- and moderate-income families at the property for a term of five years to commence upon execution of the standard agreement by HCD. Item number nine is a resolution approving and authorizing the director of MoCD to execute an amended and restated loan agreement with the developer for a total plan amount not to exceed approximately $31.5 million to finance the construction of the project, a 90-unit multifamily rental housing development for low-income households, adopting findings that the loan agreement is consistent with the adopted mitigation monitoring and reporting program under uh, the California Environmental Quality Act, uh, the general plan, and the eight priority policies of the planning code, and authorizing the director of MoCD or his or her designee to enter into any amendments or modifications to the agreement and any other documents or instruments necessary in connection therewith, that the director determines are in the best interest of the city. Do not materially increase the obligations or liabilities or materially diminish the benefits um, of the city and are necessary or advisable to effectuate the purposes and intent of the resolution. And item number 10 is a resolution authorizing MoCD to execute a standard agreement with the HCD under the Infill Infrastructure Grant Program for a total award of 6.5 million dispersed by HCD as a grant to the city for the second phase of infrastructure improvements for housing development related to the revitalization and uh, master development of up to um, 17, well, approximately 1,800 units of replaceable public housing, affordable housing, and market rate housing, commonly known as the Sunnydale Hope ASF development uh, for the program uh, starting on the execution date of the standard agreement to June 30th, 2029, uh, and as amended And authorizing MoCD to accept and expend a grant of 6.5 million for infrastructure improvements of Sunnydale Block 3B as approved by each CD. Members of the public are joining us remotely and wish to comment on these resolutions. Please call 415 655 0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2499 581 1506, then press pound twice. Once connected to the meeting, you will need to press star three to enter the speaker line. A prompt will indicate that you have raised your hand, and when the system indicates you have been admitted, there will be a signal to begin your comments. Madam Chair.
0: Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Uh, just a reminder for item number nine, the Loan Agreement has a BLA report, and today we're going back to the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development, and we have Ryan uh, Van Zeilen um, our Senior Project Manager, and I believe we also have Jason Liu, Policy Director for Hope SF. Thank you so much for being here.
15: Hi, good morning Chair Chan and Committee Members Safai and Mandelman. Uh, my name is Ryan Van Island, Senior Project Manager with MoCD. I'm here today to present on items 8, 9, and 10 for the affordable housing development located in the Sunnydale Public Housing Site, known as Sunnydale Hope SF Block 3B. Here to provide a brief description of Hope SF is Jason Liu, Policy Director with the Hope SF Initiative.
5: Thank you so much for your time today, committee members, as we talk about the latest legislation for affordable housing development at Sunnydale, which is part of the Hope SF initiative. As a quick refresher, Hope SF was created by then mayor Gavin Newsom in 2005 in response to continuing diminishing federal funding for San Francisco's largest and most neglected public housing sites, namely Alice Griffith, View, Potrero and Sunnydale. F represents a more than 20-year human and real estate capital commitment by the city to achieve reparations for the insidious impacts of past and ongoing trauma, systemic and institutional racism, and deep and persistent poverty. To follow through on the city's commitment of replacement public housing to the Cinedale community, we're excited to come before you today to approve financing for the next phase of affordable housing construction and infrastructure improvements.
15: slide, please. One more. Yes. Uh, Thank you, Jason. The purpose of the three resolutions before you today is to approve affordable housing financing for Sunnydale Block 3B to begin construction this March. Item number eight, seen on the far right, authorizes MoCD to execute an agreement with HCD under the California Housing Accelerator Program to award roughly $48 million for the construction of the project. Item number 9, seen on the far left, approves the MoCD loan agreement with the sponsor for a total loan of up to $31.5 million. And item number 10, seen in the middle, is an accept and expend resolution authorizing MoCD to execute an agreement with the Department of Housing and Community Development, or HCD, under the Infill Infrastructure Grant Program for an award of $6.5 million. Sunnydale block three B as shown here will be a new 90 unit affordable housing development sponsored by related California and mercy housing. The Sunnydale hope SF master plan seeks to redevelop the 775 unit Sunnydale Velasco public housing sites into a mixed income community with roughly 1,770 units with new streets, infrastructure, and open space. Sunnydale block three B will be the third affordable housing development at Sunnydale hope SF. Of the new 90 units at Block 3B, 67 will be set aside as replacement units for Sunnydale public housing residents earning 50% San Francisco AMI. The remaining units will be lottery units restricted for those earning 80% San Francisco AMI. The residential unit mix is designed for families and includes 26 three bedrooms, 36 two bedrooms, 24 one bedrooms, and four studios. The project will also include roughly 3,700 square feet for seven community-serving retail spaces, such as local businesses and entrepreneurs from the Sunnydale neighborhood. Total development cost for the project is expected to be roughly $106 million, with a good portion of that uh, funded from the state, as you can see here. The MoCD loan before you today is for up to $31.5 million. The city's loan will be leveraged with hcds iig and housing accelerator programs both of which were successfully applied for by the sponsors thanks to the board's approval of the infrastructure loan in 2022 infrastructure work has proceeded and vertical construction for block 3b's affordable housing is set to begin this march construction is expected to last until winter 2025. Uh, we are happy to answer any questions here today. I'm joined by um, sponsors Toon Wen and Paige Peltzer, and thank you for your consideration.
0: Thank you. Uh, just a quick question What is IIG? <laughs> what does this stand for?
15: Yeah, Infill Infrastructure Grant. So it's a, a state HCD program.
0: <laughs> thank you. Sure. I appreciate that. BLA? Um,
3: thank you. Item 9 is a resolution approving a Loan agreement for $31.5 million um, between the city and Sunnydale Block 3 B Housing Partners, LP. As stated, this will fund a, a portion of the Sunnydale affordable uh, and public housing replacement development um, and provide 90 units of uh, low-income housing, um, w- excluding the infrastructure cost. The total cost of development and for this portion of the development is $99.5 million or $1.1 million per unit. Um, some of that is driven by the size of the units. These are three and four bedrooms, um, though there's also lots of parking at this site. The, the loan is also funding the creation of a commercial space. When we looked at Sunnydale and a prior round of financing, we had asked the department to examine its, uh, its, its efforts to control the cost of affordable housing. I know this is, we just had this discussion on the last item. Um, we follow, there, In that letter from December 2019, there were a couple items the department uh, said that they were going to undertake in the future, which we followed up on in this reporting. The two items were entering into an agreement with the mayor's office of disability to clarify building code requirements for accessibility, um, and also that the city was going to be pursuing a modular housing building method for three projects in the pipeline. We did get documenti- documentation that some of those building code requirements have been clarified, but there, there's no agreement between the two mayor's offices. And I'm not sure what the significance of that is, but would defer to the department on that. Um, the, there have been three of uh, pilot projects for permanent supportive housing that did use the modular building method. They did have lower unit costs but they were smaller units than the ones we're seeing here. So I don't think it's an apples to apples comparison. And as far as I can tell, there hasn't been an analysis or um, decision about whether to proceed with that building method if it does in fact save money and save time. Um, though I do offer that as a point of future discussion for the city to be able to control its affordable housing costs. Having said that, this agreement you know, has the standard controls we see in MOCD agreements uh, and we recommend approval.
0: Thank you. Any questions, colleagues? Thank you. Um, I, I agree with the BOA's suggestions that uh, for the longer conversation, both making sure that you do actually have um, some agreement and understanding from the Mayor's Office, the office of Disabilities for your project overall. Um, and and just have a better understanding of the the existing units and the replacements units, um, and then yeah, I think the modular housing it's always for conversation, um, but I think that's a larger conversation, not for these project today. I appreciate all of you, all of you and for your presentation today. And uh,
1: Mr. Clerk, let's go to public comment. Thank you. Yes, members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up now. For those listening remotely, please call 415-655-0001. Enter the meeting ID of 2499-581-1506, then press pound twice. Once connected, press star 3 to enter the speaker line. For those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your signal to begin your comments. Seeing no in-person speakers here in the chamber, and we have one speaker on the line. Mr. Lamb, kindly uh, unmute your caller.
12: So, my name is Francisco Costa, and I would like the presenters who were talking in very general terms, we have to be very, um, have some empathy for those who are physically challenged. And I doubt Goldman Sachs or the mayor's office has spoken to those who have disabilities and know anything about the swamp visitation valley that whole area was called a swamp they have another swamp in washington dc and you guys uh, goldman sachs uh very known uh, known internationally for being very corrupt uh, the city and county of san francisco known uh, very well for creating an excessive market price housing. But now when it comes to the physically challenged, there's a delay. And the delay is because you don't accommodate those who need to be catered to. And our Board of Supervisors and this new person who's heading this uh, Budget and Finance Committee has no clue about the physically challenged. I'm going to address the situation in my blog. That's the best way to get these people, You know, to learn their lesson. We have to be very sensitive now that in the year 2023, we have failed 50% of San Francisco. The seniors, the physically challenged, the mentally challenged. There's a lot of talk, but no action. There's a lot of compassion, but no empathy. Of course, y'all don't know the difference between empathy and compassion. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Francisco Costa, for your comments. And Madam Chair, that completes our queue.
0: Seeing no more public comments, public comments is now closed. Mr. Clerk, I'm gonna move these three items to full board with positive recommendation. Please call the roll.
1: On that motion to forward all three resolutions to the full board with a positive recommendation, Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Member Safai. Aye. Safai, aye. Chair Chan, aye. Chan, aye. We have three ayes. Unnoted, Mr. Uh, yes? Okay.
0: Thank you. The motion passes. Uh, Mr. Clerk, do we have any other business before us?
1: Um, Madam Chair, that concludes your business.
0: Thank you. The meeting is adjourned.